Okay, welcome to Dynasty Saturday Night 5, a Dynasty Fantasy Football podcast for Going for Two Live, goingfor2.com. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review to the Going for Two Live audio podcast feed. Please make sure if you're watching here on YouTube uh, to uh, subscribe, like, comment, bell for notifications. We must feed the algorithms what they need to be fed we're talking about tight ends in Dynasty Fantasy Football tonight. I'm Brian Ford, as always, here with my host, whose end I've heard is kind of tight, Josh Walker. <laughs> no, I was trying to think of the perfect place to put a tight end joke in, and you beat me to it, so well played there. Wow. Uh, Better yeah, than being a wide receiver. <laughs> well, it depends what you're into. That's you true. know, Jamie might, Jamie might say otherwise there in the mm. chat. Um, but yeah, I'm good. Happy to do this. Happy to... Almost finish up our little positional stuff we're doing. So, yeah, yeah, we we kind of didn't necessarily plan doing like a four week or four episode uh, positional thing, but that definitely is kind of how it turned out. We've done running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, and we are now here rounding it out uh, with uh, it's only tight end wasteland, as the Who uh, famously sang. Um, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Dynasty Saturday Night 5, we have some fun by coming up with a list of five things we want to talk about as sort of our vehicle for entering and unpacking the Dynasty Fantasy Football topic that we're doing. So Josh and I each have a list of five tight end topics that we want to talk about, and that's what we'll be going through tonight. Before we do get started, though, just generally your thoughts on on tight end, you know, the idea is that there's a few really, really good ones. Then it's like, who the hell knows? Um, are you a get one of the elites or wait a long time fantasy manager if you're in drafts or, or making trades? Or uh, is there something different that, that you do? Uh, if I can't get Kelsey or Andrews, it's usually those two that I really go after. But even they go a little too uh... – little quicker than I want and I'm willing to pay if I don't get one of them too I usually wait and I can't get Njoku this year but he was my favorite target last year I usually shoot for the guys I have ranked around 15 16 that I can wait until like round 12 13 to grab mm -hmm. and the way tight end is you just need 600 yards and like four touchdowns to be a tight end one so there's a good chance uh those are gonna hit so if I don't get the top two I usually just wait and stack up on uh skill players and quarterbacks in the meantime yeah, because, like, the difference between tight end two and tight end five is huge. But, like, the difference between tight end seven and tight end, you know, 14 is not, right? Exactly. There's a, there's a flattening that happens in the position, which we'll we'll talk about in, in a little while. So that makes guys who I kind of have ranked in a, in a pocket of guys that I do like, it makes them not necessarily as attractive at cost when I'm in, like, a startup or something like that. So say, for example, I don't know. A Friar Muth, a Dulcich, right? Guys that I have ranked, I have in like, you know, my top 12 or, or whatever. But it's like, are they worth their ADP when I'm getting X, Y, or Z a few rounds later? That's what we'll be talking about uh, in a little while. Um, let's start, though, with, uh, with uh, the, the big three. I think everybody kind of knows Kelsey Andrews Pitts in some sort of order. 
uh, is the dynasty big three. Um, you know, uh, there are some people, and I think uh, our friend Kyle Senra is one of them, that Kelsey is tight end Dynasty 1 until, you know, until he retires. There are some people, myself, uh, it's like it's between, um, you know, athleticism, ceiling, upside, and age. It's Pitts is tight end 1. Mm-hmm. And there are some other folks who, you know, combining age and track record and, you know, good quarterback and new offensive coordinator, Mark Andrews is, is tight end 1. Um, so how do you sort through uh, – the, the big three. So right now I have Pitts one, I have Kelsey at two, and that's only because Mark Andrews, like the past two years, there's been some slight injury concerns. He's had to miss some time and Isaiah likely's there. And I think he's going to be featured a lot more this year, which I'll talk about later. So I have Pitts one just because his age, his ability, uh, he had a thousand yards as a rookie. So that's very impressive. Uh, and then I have Kelsey, too, because he still has Patrick Mahomes. And even though he's, what, 33, 34, he doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. But I am a little hesitant to draft Kelsey at certain points in the draft. Yeah, so for me, I have I have Pitts 1 and Andrews 2, and that's in a tier. And then I have Kelsey at 3 in a tier of his own. So, like, he's, he's 3 behind those guys because of age and, and its dynasty. But <laughs> – He's in his own tier and not with anybody below him because of the just absolutely great, you know, production that he's still doing and positional advantage that, that he can give you. Um, and then it's, you know, everybody else that we'll be talking about in a little bit. But before we do, time to pay some bills. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Underdog. And if the Underdog has it all, uh, best ball leagues, huge tournaments, private leagues, pickums, you know, for – uh, for stuff coming up for the for seasonal projections and things, they're not just football. So, you know, if you're uh, if you're a degenerate like uh, Josh and you actually watch other sports like baseball, you know, Underdog has stuff for that. Uh, golf, I think they have some basketball too. Basketball is not a sport, um, and you can sign up uh, if you're a new uh, Underdog user. You can sign up with the promo code GF2, and you will get a deposit match of up to $100. So what does that mean? You don't have an underdog account now. You go to underdog.com or download the app. You start a new underdog account. You deposit up to $100. You can buy as much as you want, but they will match up to uh, $100. And therefore, you know, you have at least $200. They're sitting in your underdog account. And I have been slow to get on the best ball train but uh, this summer, it's heating up for me. Uh, I'm like, I'm in a million underdog drafts just because, like, you know, it keeps me from getting in trouble with, like, 700 startups. <laughs> um, but also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of have been digging into, like, best ball content a little bit, too. You know, like, strategy and, and, and things like that, you know. So, I, I kind of been, been riding that wave. But, yeah, they got, they got cool stuff. They got Scott Fishbowl Satellite. They've got Puppy. they got Best Ball Mania. they got, like, a little higher higher stakes stuff, like the whatever, the Mastiff or the Bulldog or whatever, a Dalmatian, where you're, you know, you're dropping some, some higher coin there. But then they've got other ones where you can just say, hey, let's just get in a 12-person slow draft with, with 11 people for three bucks yep. and have some fun, right? So, yeah, they got all sorts of things you, you can do. So, so, yeah, go to goingfor2.com. I mean, go to underdog.com or the Underdog app. And enter promo code GF2, put some money down, start playing, and maybe even start winning. All right, let's tie up some loose ends about tight ends 
Uh, we each have a list of five topics we want to talk about uh, tonight. Um, I'm going to kick us off because I think it flows from the big three into this, yep. into my first question, which is like, how big is that next tier and who's in it? Right. And what do we, what do we think of, of those guys? So, um, you know, for, for me, um, four, five, six is uh, Hawk Goddard Kittle. Uh, and that's it. That's the tier. Um, you know, I think uh, I also want to ask you, you know, like, where's that line where you start, where you stop feeling good about the, uh, someone being your tight end one, you know, which can be relative depending on the format and things like that. I pretty much exclusively play in, in tight end premium. But for me, you know, the, the, the next three are, are Hawk, Goddard, Kittle. That's a tier. Uh, I think each of them has different aspects that they bring to it that make them, I think, worthy of that tier. That next tier for me uh, is Kincaid, Muth, and Waller. Um, you know, Kincaid, huge ceiling. I've talked about him a lot. I love him. I was more than willing to drop the 110 on him in tight end premium rookie drafts. But he's still a rookie, so he's kind of at the top of that next year, tier. I haven't put him in with the big boys yet. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about Waller, too. Despite being 31 and having two you know, injury-impacted seasons, I'm not baking injury into like predictions, and he's going to get peppered with targets in that offense. It's Darren Waller, who's like whatever, 6'6 six, six and 250, and then like 700 other wide receivers who are all slot guys, and nobody's really all that big like Colin Johnson is like their biggest big wide receiver and he's coming yep. back from a major injury and, and is kind of a bust so far anyway. Right. So I think there's a little bit of a bounce back in Waller's production and value. So I've got him there. And then for me, that might be where like the end of like where I'm like super comfortable with guys as my tight end one. Um, my next tier is like a, is like 10 through 17 or something like that. And like the guys at the top of that tier uh, Najoku, Dulcich, McBride, guys like that. I'm more comfortable with as my tight end one than guys at the bottom of that tier, which would be like the rookies, Laporta, Mayer, uh, and then like Dalton Schultz, who I think could get peppered with targets in, in his first year uh, in, uh, working with a rookie quarterback uh, in, in Houston. But I'm not loving the thought of him as my as my tight end one. So so like where does where does that line of confidence end for me? I think it's after my 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 top nine. So what say you about that next tier? And then also, like, where's your line of confidence, so to speak? Yeah, so because sometimes I like to get a little dicey with tight end and really wait. So honestly, my line cuts off at my 24th tight end. Like, obviously, I don't want to be in this situation. But if I draft the skill players enough, I should still feel okay. And I usually stock up with, like, Gasicki's the last one and that I would think I can compete with uh, as my starter. And it goes all the way up to McBride at 12. So 12 to 24 are all the people that, you know, they're, I'd rather them be a tight end too. But if I wait and I really like slam all my other positions, I have three starting quarterbacks, then I'll look to go from anyone in that tier. The tier I have above that goes from four to 11. So I have bigger tiers in general. That's a tier I usually look for value to drop. Starts at Hawkinson, ends at Waller at 11. It's got, Dolchich, Kincaid, and Joku, Fryermuth, Goddard. I'll take them, but I'm not going to reach on them. So if one of those guys fall and I think it's good value, I'll take them. But otherwise, I'm going to wait for my uh, my big 12-person tier, which has all the ones people most people have as a tight end too. And I 
I've actually showed last year to make it work pretty well if I do that. But you do have to hit your other picks to do. Otherwise, you're you're in trouble if your other picks don't hit. Yeah, and and everything really it realistically is a trade off. So for those of you playing along at home, um, if you go to goingfortwo.com and then hover over Dynasty and click on, um, or no, hover over Rankings and click on uh, Dynasty parentheses twenty twenty three, you can see every ranker's rankings, including uh, Josh's and mine. Um, and uh, yeah, if you want to see the, so that's the composite on the left. If you want to see the order that any individual ranker has the guys in, you would click on the date uh, beneath their name. I know sometimes it doesn't look like you can click on it because it's the cursor bar and not like an arrow or a finger. Uh, but, yeah, you, you can click on it. And real quick from the chat, uh, we talked about best ball strategy. After we get off live, after we get off live, <laughs> don't worry, folks, that's not going to happen. Um <laughs> You know, uh, 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 Jerry and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and Jamie are going to uh, do a pre-record of, of a best ball podcast. We're going to start doing some, some one-offs here at Going for Two, you know, about certain, uh, you know, um, fantasy stuff like whatever, drafts and best ball and projections and, you know, evergreen type, type topics. All right. So what is your first tight end topic? So I've got three questions and two buys. So I'm going to start off with the first question. And it's uh, some not really recent news, but fairly recent news that really made me switch my rankings up a little. And the question is, I'm going to pause it to you after I make my case here. Does Evan Ingram signing a three-year deal with the Jags boost his dynasty value? And for me, it's yes. Before this, I had him at 20, which I do admit was a little bit low. But in the dynasty aspect, I'm looking two to three years down the road. And before he signed that contract, we didn't know where he'd be after that. And I felt a lot of uh, his production was tied to Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence in that offense. So it's kind of scared me a little him going somewhere else. But now that I know that he's going to be there for three more years, I've moved him up to 13. You have him at 13. Going for two has him at 12 consensus. So I caught up with the market. Um, yeah, he's, he's paired with tr Trevor Lawrence, who's going to be – Arguably a top five quarterback moving forward in his career. He finally had the breakout he had since his rookie season and has been disappointing since. And he really has no competition heading into the season. The next person on the depth chart is Brenton Strange, who's also a rookie, I believe. So, I mean, he's he is the guy there. And he showed to be, even with uh, Ridley, Zay Jones, and um, Christian Kirk, he's still got a lot of targets, got a lot of yards, and pretty good touchdown equity. Um, the, the only thing that people knock on him is they say he's injury prone, but he's played 40 games in the past three seasons, which is pretty good for a tight end. So I think we can, uh, we can uh, take that, that injury tag off of his name because he seemed to be pretty healthy now. So did, did you, or will you consider moving him up or is it just kind of the same for you? So it's funny, right? Cause uh, on the other dynasty podcast, I do dynasty fever. I was talking with my co-host Jesse Schneeman and, um, I, I moved Ingram up to 13 with the signing of the contract. So um, I was considering having him higher, but when they only franchised him mm -hmm. and when, when he only had a guaranteed one year with Trevor, um, I was kind of hedging it a little bit. And, and I think at the time I was talking to Kyle Senra and, and he had Ingram as high as seven at that point, right? Um, Yes, I think I did bump him from like 15 or 16 to like 13, but but in the same tier, um, uh, the the guaranteed money is is 24 million. I, I think it looks like the 
the guaranteed quote unquote like time that he'll be there is probably the the, the two years. But you're really only playing Dynasty in a two or three year window anyway. Yeah. My cons- the the devil's advocate concerns with with Evan Ingram are like I think I'm trying to look, Google it the the stat here, but like 48 percent of his fantasy points in 2022 came from like three or four spike weeks towards the end of the year. And I remember those weeks. They were glorious weeks in DFS, yep. right? Um, and you can say on the one hand, well, okay, that's a sign of things to come. Doug Peterson likes to use tight ends. Trevor Lawrence is a very good quarterback, ascending offense, athletic tight end coming into his own, et cetera, et cetera, right? But you could also say, I, I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe you know, that the, he's just writing like when people – what is it called? It's anchor bias when like your first impression shapes what you think. And then it's recency bias yeah. when like later. So like, you know, it could be a recency bias thing where like, you know, those last few weeks or those spike weeks are really influencing it because it happened at the end of the season. And that's how people are seeing him. The other, I think, devil's advocate case against him is he's now in an offense that um, is adding Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, you know, and, and, I think has two running backs that I think, you know, thank Bigsby more than Etienne, but but both of them who are competent at as as pass catchers. They did spend second round draft capital on Strange. Like he's only a rookie. Um, but they did like his athleticism and, and stuff like that. So, you know, and they they said so by spending a second round pick on him. So yes, it did increase his value for me personally. But A, not much, and B, apparently not as high as some other people. You know, yeah. like um, J- Jesse had him at nine, I think. Uh, Kyle, I don't it's know where a, he Ryan has him at but... seven. Kyle has him at ten. Yeah. So it was Ryan that has him at seven. Yeah. Kyle might have moved him back if he had him yeah. there. Yeah, you know, so I think some people are really in on it. You know, um, I'm, I guess, maybe in the middle on, on him. I don't know. Same. Yeah. yeah, I had him at 20 because of the Calvin Ridley. I I don't know if, like, you know, Kevin Ridley does have some height, but he – I watched every game they played as a Falcon. That dude can separate at any level. He gets open in the red zone, too. So, I think he's going to get uh underrated amount of red zone targets just because he can get open anywhere on the field. Yeah, I'm actually a little low on Ridley, I think, compared to market. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's – again, it's this age-old thing in fantasy, right? Like – you know, is this going to be a rising tide? It lifts all boats and the offensive pie grows so everybody's okay. Or is it going to be a mouth-to-feed narrative, right? And I think um, it's sometimes it's, it's hard to tell. I'm not somebody who sits down and does mathematical projections, so maybe I'm not the best guy to answer that question. Yeah. But, you know, people are – when you can't call for – more targets for for Travis Etienne, right? And uh, more and Engram to keep his level, and you know Ridley to 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 eat uh, most of Zay Jones' targets plus more. Yep. Like they can't all happen at the same time, right? Like unless something goes like you know nutso, where the offense is is doing a lot more than we expected for one reason or another. So I I don't know. I'd be I'd be careful with him. Let me ask you this, mm-hmm. right? Because it's always about it's always about cost, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, he's going off the board in, uh, super flex tight end premium drafts. Um, 
that are, and I have the settings for the premium is 0.5 to 1.0, right? So anything below or above, right? Uh, he's going at the 11.02 at tight end 13, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's going before Dulcich and Chig, right? But he's going two whole rounds after Waller and Mayer, uh, you know, uh, you know, half a round ish after Laporta, almost two whole. Oh no, uh, a whole round after Najoku. Like that's not a bad price. Yeah, right. The eleventh round, right? You know. So, do you think, like, relative to other tight ends, the the market has 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 caught up to the idea that this contract might mean something. I guess that's a question too. Yeah, I think so because in some drafts I've done, I've seen him go in the eighth, ninth round, but I think people are finally starting to catch on to the fact that there might be too many mouths to feed. You got three really good competent receivers and two running backs who are going to be at least relevant in the passing game. So I think it's catching up. I like the spot. If he was there in the 11th round, I'd take him for some reason. He's just not usually there. So I don't really have too many shares of Evan Ingram, but the only person ahead of him I really wouldn't take over him is Sam Laporta just because he's a rookie. I really like him, but I would still take Ingram. But I'm gonna, unless I'm trying to win now and I already have kind of an older roster, I'll probably take Mayer over him still just in hope for in two or three years he's going to be a top, you know, seven, eight tight end. But, yeah, I like I like the 11th round for him. I think that's a perfect spot. So, um, excuse me. Uh Let's see here. My next topic is the case against TJ Hawkinson. This is kind of a devil's advocate sort of thing. Like, it's not like I don't like Hawkinson. I mean, he's my, he's my tight end for it, right? So um, we're in a startup ongoing. Um, and uh, a pick was made at in the middle, like mid fourth round. Um, let me pull it. I think it might have been actually exactly the 408, which is exactly his ADP. I think it was. But it was a few picks. A few picks ahead Four, of, of your pick, four nine, and you seem a you seemed a little upset that Hawkinson went. You were you were hoping he, he would he would get to you. Yeah, I almost traded right. up for that pick. And, yeah, um, he, let me make the case against TJ Hawkinson just because it's fun, right? Yep. It's July, right? Um, fantasy points per game didn't change much, despite the increase in targets in his time with the Vikings compared to his like his arc of time with, with uh, the Lions, particularly like the last couple of years, right? Um, in half PPR, he had seven top 12 finishes in 2022, and he had 10 top 12 finishes in uh, 2022 in, in full PPR um, it, it, out of 17 games. Not bad, but not lighting the world on fire. In a 1.5 tight end premium format, uh, unless my math is way off, uh, 13.31 points per game, which is good, but not elite, right? And it, and it was driven by some spike weeks, you know, which, you know, a lot of points per game stuff is, but that's something to, to keep in mind. Like one of the reasons that we're slightly fading Kittle or a lot of people are slightly fading Kittle is it's hard to predict when those good games are, are coming. Right. You know, uh, and the, the floor is a little a little shaky, although there's there's some ceiling. Right. So he's a target hog and premiums uh, Hawkinson and tight end premiums, you know, really do favor target hogs. But it's not really translating 
partly because he's not really scoring touchdowns. He only had six touchdowns last year, you know, um, despite spending most of the year on that high octane offense with really the, the, the best pass option after Jefferson besides him being, you know, an aging out Adam Thielen. KJ Osborne. Even. Now this, now this year, right. They add rookie Jordan Addison. Uh, the bad Thielen is, is gone uh, and replaced uh, in a sense uh, by Addison. KJ Osborne. Yeah, he's okay. He's a good little player. If you listen to people who follow the Vikings and you listen to the coaches as much as they will tell you the truth, um, KJ Osborne is not an unimportant part of this offense, right? So when you think about like the targets that Addison will get, the, 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 the role that KJ Osborne will play at, at, you know, at least to be annoying and, and cap a ceiling. When you look at the fact that, you know, that, that Minnesota offense had like a historic year as far as like, you know, pass attempts and winning like 11 one score games. And like, are they going to be as good as they are, as they were, as they were last year uh, uh, offensively? Uh, I don't know that any of Dalvin Cook's targets really move a lot to Hawkinson because Madison and Chandler and, you know, any, if they sign somebody, will probably eat those up anyway. And, and then also from a dynasty perspective, what is Kirk Cousins' future? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is his last year of his contract, right? Could be a free agent after this year or something. Uh, and he's already 34, 35. So, you know, I don't – I have Hawkinson as my tight end four, but here's the thing. I don't love spending the 408 on him when Goddard's going at the uh, – uh, the 608, right? When Kittle, eh, it's 30, but you know, he's going at the 512. When Muth is going at the 711, like, I don't know. Am I spending that fourth round? Am I, am I saying he's one round in ADP worse than Kyle Pitts? And am I, but then also, I'll shut up after this. <laughs> As I'll devil's advocate against my devil's advocate. And it's also about not just where other tight ends are going, but who else is going in the fourth round, right? And so we've got JSN, Cup, London, Eckler, Etienne, and, and Walker, two guys I'm selling, especially at cost. Uh, DK Metcalf, same, selling, especially at cost. Uh, Jacobs, Vanilla Vic, it's a little high for me for Vanilla Vic at that point. Uh, and then Devontae Adams, probably the end of a, like a wide receiver one tier there, uh, but also has questions and age and things like that. And then Najee, right? So like how many of those guys would you rather have than Hawk? So you're not just compar comparison shopping Hawkinson to other tight ends that are going later. You're also comparison shopping him to who am I giving up to, to take him, you know? And, you know, of those guys, I probably would, maybe would be okay with Devonte ahead of Hawkinson. If I thought Jacobs was going to play, I'd be comfortable with him above Hawkinson. Uh, I could make the case for Eckler and DK, although that would be a tough click. And I think, you know, uh, Cup, London, and JSN, I think are all guys that you can make a good case to take up above uh, a tight end and take a tight end later. So, you know, I don't know. That's my that's my devil's advocate case against spending that 
spending the the you know a, a buying TJ Hawkinson at cost. So just to sum up my thoughts on Hawkinson, the main reason I wanted him is because I have literally zero shares of TJ Hawkinson across almost 20 mm-hmm. dynasty leagues. And a lot of that is because of the cost and where he goes. And I'd rather take some of these other guys. But this start, this particular draft we're doing, I'm trying to get a little different. I'm trying to draft some guys I don't normally have to try and diversify, but also to stay competitive. So that was the main reason I wanted him. I was I was like kind of upset. I was mostly I just like to mess with Thomas and telling me sucks so a lot of it was that <laughs> just because it's fun but also yeah i was just trying to get different i don't have hawkinson and a lot of that is because of where he's going he goes as early as the third round in some drafts i do especially in 0.75 or full point tight end premium so that was really it i agree yeah. with what you said i i mean i do like him i like the vikings offense but I, his price is just a little too rich for me at the moment yeah uh wyatt uh from jwb checking in thanks for thanks for hopping on and hopping in the chat uh, he likes Hawk, but the value can be pretty high in some leagues and startups and trades. Yep. And so he finds himself more out than in. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I think I think we're we're right in line there. Uh, Jamie, did I make the right choice? And I think he's talking about the startup yeah. where in JSN over Hawkinson. Probably. Yes. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. What's your next tight end topic? All right. Um, my next one, I'm realizing I didn't do these on the show sheet and I screwed up doing that. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to do one of my buys. I'm going to go with the deep buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one will be brief because it's so by Jake Ferguson. I have him ranked 26. You agree with me on this one. You have him ranked 28. So we're pretty close going for two has him at 35. Some people didn't even rank him. Wait, hold huh? a pause one second. I'm sorry. I think I have Shoemaker around 28 and I have Ferguson in the thirties. Don't I? Let me see. I have it up right here. I might've, I might've wrote down the wrong person. Live, live shows, folks. This is this is where the magic happens. Yeah, I've got Shoemaker at twenty-eight and Ferguson at thirty-nine. So oh, I must have just gotten them two mixed up. Then, okay. Well, you don't agree with me, so that makes it even better because <laughs> our rankings are very similar in all the people I'm talking about. So my main reason to buy him, and this is obviously like I don't want him anything less than a tight end three, just because that's where he's going. Um, so me saying buy, don't have him as your tight end one or two, just in case. But I think he's a great tight end three. Um, and really is it's a competition, you know, they did, they did draft Shoemaker. He's solid, but he's also a rookie tight end and they had some rookie tight ends last year. And the only other competition is Peyton Hendershot. So I do, at least in my opinion, I think Jake Ferguson, at least to start the year is going to be the guys that kind of ease Shoemaker in. So I think at his cost, it, it hurt, it, like it doesn't do you any wrong drafting him there and just hoping that he gets at least some of, uh, the targets Dalton Schultz got. And it could be a carousel three-way, uh, but it was last year, and Schultz still was a tight end one, if I am if I remember correctly, right there around 12 or 11. Yeah. So, I mean, top 10 offense, I think he's going to, at least to start the year, be the first guy Dak looks to, and that, that in itself holds some value. So, I guess before I, you know, respond more fully, like what – make the case for him above the guy that they said – we have Ferguson, but we're still going to spend a second round on, on Shoemaker. Well, it's kind of like they had Schultz last year, and they still went and drafted Hendershot. And um, so I think they just like to have a full tight end room. I think they wanted to keep it young. So I do think Shoemaker in the long term might be a little bit better of an option. I think I also I have him ranked very close. But I think just for this year, especially for trying to compete now where he's going, 
it, it doesn't hurt you to take a shot. And if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. He's sitting down at the bottom of your bench. Yeah, so uh, Ferguson, I think, was was a sneaky, for me, 2022 rookie tight end. He was in my top 12 as far as rookie tight ends go. And I think that class in general has flashed more than we expected them to. And I was on the buy Ferguson train, I think, until – I, until they got Shoemaker, and I looked into Shoemaker a little more and saw how underrated I thought he was. And um, it, listen, it's perfectly reasonable to think that in the end, Ferguson, you know, ends up to be the tight end to have in this case. Um, a couple of things that concern me, though, also include I don't know what's happening with that offense. Like, they didn't bring in any, any more running backs yet. But the buzz is, whatever the buzz is worth, is that, you know, they want to run the ball more. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll, hear, um, you'll, you'll hear Cowboy fans say they're worried about the offense. You'll hear folks, I don't want to say fading Dak, but like, you know, bumping Dak down in 2023, you know, sort of assuming the offense isn't going to be as good. So if I was more certain about the offense, I think I'd be a little more sold on Ferguson. But – it also, again, it, it's it's about cost. It's about the price, right? So, you know, you're able to get Ferguson fairly, I mean, practically free, right, in in startup drafts at, at, at around 2007 here. And so he's, and he's got a path, right? So I, I can't disagree that, like, you know, what the heck, roll the dice. You know, it's, it's a cheap, it's a cheap. I just don't know. I just have concerns, you know, yeah. those concerns about, about the path. Yeah. I mean, if it, 450 yards and three or four touchdowns, you already exceed the value you draft him at. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like, this is a very deep, yeah. deep buy. This is, you know, don't, he should not be oh, anywhere near your cuts. lineup. Yeah, yeah. But also, yeah. like, Mike McCarthy is a coach. So it makes perfect sense that they go out, get Brandon Cooks, you got Gallup back, and then they say they want to run the ball with Malik Davis yeah. and Tony Pollard as your two backs. I, I mean, I don't believe it. Just based on the personnel, if they do that, they're going to be in trouble because they're going to get Pollard hurt. They're going to have to rely on Malik Davis and Ronald Jones. So, I mean, that's just, I don't – I'm not buying into that uh, narrative as much. Yeah, they're, and, and when you think about they also, you know, they added Cooks, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, their personnel decisions aren't. And I think um, – gosh, I want to – I forget where I heard it, but, like, in the years that McCarthy was uh, calling plays in, in Green Bay, uh, it was pretty high pass rate over mm -hmm. expectation. So, you know, I don't know, right? Yeah. So, um yeah, no, I, I I like it. Can't can't argue with that. Um, all right. Uh, oh, I was going to ask you a question about Ferguson, and now I completely forget. You can come back to it. If all right. So <laughs> my next uh, my next topic is, uh, you know, I guess might as well, you know, piggyback on on the idea of a 2022 rookie there, and it's a leading question because my I'm, my answer to this question is yes, but. Uh, and that is with stronger than expected rookie class in 2022. Um, and what we think is a strong tight end rookie class in 2023. Is it going to adjust where the flattening begins and therefore make tight end less of a wasteland? Right. And so I want to just talk about silver honey uh, here for a second. Um, I'm sorry, silver money. My bad. Sober, sober money. <laughs> Um, Goddard, right? So it's a good place to start with this topic. So 
I like Goddard. He's my tight end five, right? But it's it's also sort of the idea that like, well, who else, right? He's in that tier for me with Hawk and Kittle. So like above, you know, although arguably so, uh, Muth and uh, and Waller and and Kincaid, not by much, right? Um, but you know, he's also never had like a top ten tight end season. Never really had a strong touchdown total. Uh, and certainly is in a high-octane offense, but can very likely be the, the clear third passing option most weeks, right? So even then, my dynasty tight end five is somebody I'm already giving blemish marks to, right? You know, like I'm not super excited about, about that. It's, it's kind of like a ranking by default, right? And so when we think about the flattening in, in dynasty tight end right now, it's really happening after, like, you know, some might say after the big three. I might say after six or nine, right? And then it's just, like, it's really flat, right? I think as these 2022 and 2023 guys mature, that flattening will start later, but not much because it's still tight end and that's still the nature of the position. And guys are going to age out, like Kelsey and, you know, other, right? And got it. Kittle, right? So I think like it's let's just say for the for the sake of argument, my flattening starts after my tight end nine, right? Maybe it's maybe in a year or so, you know, and also add Brock Bowers into that mix, right? Uh it's gonna be tight end 13, 14, right? It's we're still gonna kind of think of tight end as kind of a wasteland, but less so. So I don't know. What do you think? What do you think uh, about that? Right? Because in 2022, we had some guys flash that we feel that we feel good about. In 2023, we really feel good about the top three and can and can tell a good story about paths for guys like Schumacher, Musgrave, Kraft. Like, right? So, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I'm looking more at guys like, you know, I just mentioned Ferguson, but also likely who I'm going to talk about a little bit later too. Guys like that who. McBride, even people who are just still a little behind on market, actually get some reps that they didn't get as a rookie just because they're a rookie and they start to improve. So I think it'll get even further than 12. I think it'll get up to like 15, 16 before it really gets ugly. And even then, I don't think it's going to be as ugly as it has been in the past once you get to that. Like, yeah, there will be a pretty significant drop off. But like I said, you should still be able to get four to 500 yards and a few touchdowns. So that's not terrible for a backup third string tight end. Yeah, um, I think. Yeah, maybe I want to be more optimistic about tight end, you know, but I still think it's it's going to be pretty flat after yeah. a certain point. So the flattening is just going to be a little a little later. I, I well, think. And, and here's and the other reason I asked this question, I probably should have prefaced this is we've talked about this on the show before, is the way the position is changing and, and getting deployed, not just increased use of twelve personnel, but increased use of the different types of tight ends that aren't just the inline tight ends, right? That's going to be a little different, right? One of the reasons we're so in on Kincaid is we're essentially saying he's Buffalo's big slot. He's Buffalo's wide receiver too, right? And as that happens more, as we see a smaller and more athletic tight end class in 2023, and as the position evolves more and we get more Chigs and Kincaids than we do Hunter Henrys, right? That could bump the position up from wasteland status and make the flattening start later 
I just don't know how much a leader it's going to be and how optimistic to be about it. No, that's fair. A lot of that's going to be riding on this uh, year's class too because their RAS scores were through the roof, a lot of the tight ends. So they're more athletic than I've seen tight ends coming out in a while, regardless of where they go. So I think this year is going to be a really oh, yeah. big – like it's going to really tell a lot for the future of tight end, how, how the rookies continue to do. All right, so what is your next tight end topic? So my next tight end topic, I'm going to talk about Trey McBride. And it's I just did it in a little question. It's like, why is the market so low on Trey McBride? Uh, I have him ranked 12th. You do too. And hopefully I got your ranking right this time. Uh, going for mm-hmm. two, has him at 16. Fantasy pros at 17. And bulletproof ADP, which takes uh, sleeper ADP, goes 13, 13, uh, 10. So the tight end, 18. Um, I just – he showed – like. Once Ertz got hurt, he showed really good flashes of the potential he had when he got drafted. And they're going to be playing behind a lot this year. You know, they're going to be one of the worst teams in football. Uh, His only competition will be Ertz, who's on the tail end of his career and showed uh, signs of slowing down even when he was healthy. I don't think he's the same Zach Ertz that was at Philadelphia, and he's now got some injury issues. And really the main reason, and this is even a plus for Ertz, their main receiving options, I'm going to put their high – Marquise Brown is 5'9", Greg Dortch is 5'7", Rondell Moore is 5'7". Outside of rookie Michael Wilson and basic glorified blocker Zach Pascal, the only big options are McBride and Ertz, and I think that's going to result in a lot of targets over the middle, especially for either McCoy, who's experienced, just looking to take the safe option, or uh, Clayton Toon, who's a rookie and you know just looking for a solid target. I think uh, McBride and Ertz will do that, more so McBride just because of his athleticism over Ertz. And this goes for all the pass catchers on Arizona. I'm not knocking everyone as much as a lot of people are just because it's Clayton Tuner McCoy for part of the year. Like, this is Dynasty, and you're still going to have either Kyler Murray or even possibly Caleb Williams in the future. So this is two or three years, like, ranking. So Trey McBride should be borderline uh, tied in one, and he's just not. So why do you, uh, why do you think the market's so low on him? Do you think it's the bad offense? I think it's a combination of factors. I think it took a while for him to see the field Mm -hmm. with any regularity. And in the meantime, Dulcich was performing well. Um, It is a dumpster fire team. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just think it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind, right? I completely agree with you. I, you know, as you see, I, I have him ranked 12th. Um, you know, uh, December 18th at Denver, four catches for 55 yards. Um, you know, uh, pretty good week before that. Uh, six targets, caught three for 28. Um, and then, you know, really good week on New Year's Day. Uh, Ten targets, caught seven balls for 78 yards and, and, and a touchdown. Um Zach Ertz isn't just like his career might be like that was yeah. a that was like mo- a multiple ling- ligament knee injury right and so we were gonna go in the wayback machine here you I know you're young you you know Wayne's World right oh yeah <laughs> okay right we're we're take go back to February 2022 we were being told the rookie class a tight end was McBride and Wiedermeyer and pray for rain, right? Then it was like McBride, Wiedermeyer, probably Dulcich too, and then pray for rain, right? 
what has happened since then to make you any less excited about Trey McBride as a well-rounded second-round draft capital tight end prospect? The only thing that the only evidence, the only data we have, right, is is pretty good in the flashes that he's right. So there, there's nothing that has told us he can't play. Is it a, maybe a bit of a concern that it took him a little while to like you know get acclimated and get on the field? Eh, it's a rookie, it's tight end, right? It was a weird year, right? You know, and I think you make a good point that no matter who's no matter who's quarterback, they're gonna be throwing a yeah. lot, right? And outside of Hollywood Brown, there ain't much there to throw to, right? Like, you know, I think they're going to get a lot. I think James Conner is going to get a lot of targets. He's probably, you know, a, a buy low for, for a one-year window there. You know, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Like, the, the, the answer, I think, is kind of out of sight, out of mind. And, and, how, and, then, and then everybody got jazzed up on, on Dulcich and Chig uh, from that class, you know. Uh, and... Uh, you know, and the idea, I think, that it's a bad team and Ertz is still technically in, in the picture. Here's the thing about, about July, right? And we're starting to, like, creep into August and it's going to change a little bit. Now is the time, really, and I always say this, although, I, and then I never have time to do it because I have 40 F&Ts, <laughs> but make the moves on the value now, yep. right? Because... As more people start paying attention and as actual news starts coming out of camp and preseason games, like, you know, these these values are going to change, right? The running backs are going to become are going to become pricier. We're going to get good news on McBride that he's a clear tight end one on the team. Right. Like, so make the moves now. Yep. And 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 yeah, I don't I, I'm with you. I, I guess I'm a little ahead of market uh, on, on Trey McBride. I'm, I'm curious. Did you see where he was on a. On KTC at all, or no? I didn't. I thought about throwing KTC in, but because I've been so busy lately, I've been. Uh, yeah. I just did the bare bones. I'll, I'll pull it up real quick. Pull it, keep trade cut. Yeah, where they got him. Um, yeah, you, you know, because that that tends to be a sentiment indicator of the market. I know people have problems with it. I have problems with it too. But in general, it kind of like tells you like, like uh, okay, so here are the people in your sleeper leagues. This is what they think, right? Yeah. And they 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 often overvalue and undervalue folks, yeah. and 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 it's quite possible that McBride is one of them. Yeah, McBride on KTC is one sixty seven overall, tight end eighteen. Yeah, and I think I just think that that's that's too low. Who who's like the next few guys ahead of him in the tight end? Right? They have Dalton Schultz at tight end seventeen, which is kind of wild. Then Cole Komet, then Njoku at tight end fifty. Wow, this is this is weird. I don't. They they must love Mayor and Laporte. Yeah, they got Mayor and Laporte at ten and nine. That's wild. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I have Schultz at 17, but I got McBride five spots ahead, not one spot behind. Hey, I, yeah. I'm going to remember, use these trade calculators. If you disagree with them, use them to your advantage to people who use them religiously, you know. Yeah. So my fourth topic is, and I kind of like alluded to it before, and that's what are we doing with Kincaid, right? Are we, how far are we leaning into this ceiling how much do we trust that he'll reach it? And is the price too high? So one thing that we, we, we talked about with, with quarterbacks, you know, um, is that like in the narrow context of a rookie draft, right? It's one thing to be excited about Anthony Richardson, to spend a, a, a 103 on, on, you know, on, on, uh, on you know, a, a, a 
you know, Bryce Young, right? It's another when you now put them in with everybody else and you're in the trade streets and the startups. And then are they being overvalued and undervalued, right? And, and to me, the rookies almost across the board are being overvalued. And that's showing up in quarterback. Personally, I think Stroud and, and Young and, and even Richardson are, are going too high in, in startup ADP, right? Um, I'm wondering if the same is true about Kincaid, right? So, like, he's my tight end seven, right? He's at the top of that tier, right? And, you know, my colleague Jesse has him at tight end five, right? Like, loves him even more. Right. I was totally the church of Dalton Kincaid. If you're at the 110 and a tight end premium, right? Like, and you're, and the other people around there are Charb, who you know I like, you know, Zay Flowers, who I, who I kind of like, right? Will flirting with picking Will Levis, right? Et cetera. Right. Like, you're, you're pounding for me personally, smashing that button to draft, to draft Kincaid because of the huge ceiling because of the way the team just effusively praises him and loves him, traded up to get him. You know, general manager said he's basically going to be, you know, our slot. We're going to play a lot of 12. We're going to see nickel, even though we're going to be in 12, right? The, the, the metrics guys in Buffalo, best hands, you know, we've ever had, you know, metrics, on, right? So, like, I was, I was all about Kincaid. You know, I, I said to people, I know that you don't spend first-round – uh, rookie picks on tight ends. This guy's not a tight end. You're drafting Buffalo's wide receiver too, right? Yeah. And he's going off the board in startups at tight end seven, which in and of itself, okay, that's cool. I'm with it. But you you need to spend a seventh round pick on, you know. And people who follow Buffalo, right, will tell you, and I, and I I agree that. Dawson Knox ain't going anywhere, really. Like, he's going to be on the field a lot, right? In fact, he's probably going to – I know that route participation matters more than snap count, right, snap percentage, right? But, like, he's going to be on the field pretty much all the time, and Kincaid's going to have to earn the playing time with Shakir, Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield, right? You know, he's not necessarily competing for the same type of targets as, 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 as Gabe Davis, but – you know, certainly a quarterback might have a choice on a, on a given play of the intermediate target with Kincaid, although he can, you know, press the seam and going up top with, with Gabe Davis, you know, right. So that that's there, right? Josh Allen also has, if James Cook is going to take a step forward, I don't love him, but you know, it is with it, right. He's got a lot of guys to throw to, in other words, right? So, especially in 2023, I think you need to be patient with Dalton Kincaid. And so here's what I, here's the conclusion. I'll shut up in a second. If you didn't get him in a rookie draft, if you didn't stash him by taking him at that 110, I don't know if I can tell you to spend a seventh round pick on him in a startup when that's the same round as, you know, safer options like Muth. Uh, when it's, uh, two rounds ahead of Mayer and Waller. Yep. When it's three rounds ahead of Laporta. When it's four rounds ahead of Greg Dulcich. Right. Um, you know, and when it's four and a half rounds ahead of Chig, who you're going to talk about in a little bit, right? Like, 
And then your opportunity cost is, uh, you know, Gino, if you didn't get a QB2 yet. Uh, Lance, if you want to roll the dice there. Terry McLaurin, if you believe in Swift, I kind of don't. Godwin, who some people think is undervalued. Uh, Jordan Love, eh, right? Zay Flowers, Russ Wilson, Jahan Dotson, Muth, Hollywood Brown at the end of the seventh round. Like, that's the other guys going in the seventh round. So it's a combination of who, what tight end you can get later and who you're giving up in the seventh round. I don't know that I can advise people to, to buy Kincaid at cost in a startup. No, I, I agree 100%. I remember going during the rookie drafts, I remember saying, and not, I'm not even going to touch uh, Kincaid in the first round just because, you know, I think there is going to be, even though he's going to see the field a lot, he's still a rookie. And, you know, there's still Shakir, there's Gabe Davis, there's Dawson Knox still there. So the only share I have of him is one I got him in the early second round in a rookie draft. And I think oh, okay. I've got I've got like eight. Yeah, <laughs> I just I was already out and I was drafting Zay Flowers because Bateman's already yeah. on the PUP list. Beckham's coming off a knee injury. So, I mean, yeah, it's at that cost. Like I said earlier at the start of the show, if I don't get a tight end in the first three rounds, I'm waiting until round nine or ten, not, you know, seven when I can get other players that I like much better. I do want to make one last point about Kincaid. I think my strategy with Kincaid is when he struggles coming out of the gate, if people get frustrated, I'm going to start sending trade offers and buy low if people get frustrated thinking he was going to come out the gate as a tight end one. Like, it's obviously an investment. You know, I don't expect him to be a tight end one year one. I have him ranked ninth, so I think it'll be there in two or three years. But I'm going to I'm gonna try and take advantage of a frustrated manager who expected him to jump in instantly and produce. Yeah, no, that, that's. I, I think we we might even do a whole episode on like um, moves to prepare to make in the first few weeks, yeah. right? Like I like that. When X offense starts slow, right? You know, yeah. Get ready to buy this guy, yeah. right? When X offense starts fast, get ready to sell this guy, right? Yeah, getting ahead of it and not wait until almost the playoffs could be very beneficial to you. Um. Uh, what's your next tight end topic? Yeah, so I'm going to go with my other buy, and this is Isaiah Likely. Um, and this is – I'm going to go with the rankings. I have him ranked 21. You have him 19, so you're kind of on the same page as me. But a lot of people are going for twos at 27, Fantasy Pros 23, Bulletproof ADPs, tight end 20 in the 15th round. And I think that's the perfect spot for him to be. And I think, you know, a lot of it is the signing of Todd Munkin. I – I boosted Lamar Jackson up my rankings. Mark Andrews is still a top three tight end. And the main reason for that, I touched on it on an earlier show. He ran the 12 personnel over 50% of the time at UGA, which is a two tight end, two wide receiver, one running back. And I think that fits perfectly to the Ravens just because they have two really good tight ends. You know, they have three wide receivers right now, but I think the fact that he was able to use that, use some read options and screen passes, you know, I think likely he's going to not just be a handcuff and actually have standalone value. I mean, he showed last year he could be productive, had I think three or four touchdowns, 300 yards, something. Um, and there's – like I see a scenario happening where Odell Beckham gets hurt due to his age. Bateman's already hurt. And it's just Zay Flowers basically there. So I think most of the targets are going to funnel through Andrews and likely. So I think the market's also caught up. But if you can get him – where he's going at tight end 20, do it because he has a like top 15 upside, even with Andrews still there, even if Andrews stays healthy. 
Yeah, I, I, I approve. You, you have my seal of approval on, on buy Isaiah likely. Um, you know, we talk about when we, when we talk about buys, there's different reasons a person can be a, a buy and you know, anybody's a buy. Right. But you know, when we're identifying a buy for the purposes of, of analysis, you know, it's, you know, is the market too, too low on the person? Do we expect the value in production to go up? Is the cost really good relative to right? So, and, and I think for me, like the cost right now is good relative to what you're going to mm-hmm. see. I think, I think it's worth the risk to buy in now thinking that that, you know, it's that offense is, is arrow up with Monk in there. Um, it's just a question of like, what's his role going to be and what's the volume going to be, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, you know, is the offense going to be, you know, obviously, you know, Mandrews is essentially a wide receiver. Uh, you know, Beckham is, I don't know, maybe a little more than a decoy on, on the outside. Flowers, you're hearing is the guy they're going to move around all over the place and mm-hmm. target in many different ways. You're hearing at a camp that they're, moving likely around the formation. I think that's good news and that they're saying, here's a skilled guy and we're figuring out ways to get him targets. My co-host Jesse on dynasty fever says it's bad news that they're essentially saying, we don't know what this guy's role is. It's the prior regime. We might need him to block. I don't know. I think cost relative to upside. Um, I'm saying, I'm saying by likely um, in startups, especially in the trade streets, Put you on the spot. What what might you be willing to part with for for an Isaiah likely? Say you're a team that um, I don't know, like is not a contender. Let's just say, and you're you're looking to move something uh, to a contender, and they kind of don't really need likely for in the next year or two. What what might you be looking to to do? Um. Right off the top of my head, and I really like Rashad Penny. I would maybe try and move an aging running back that yeah. might not have more than a year or two left. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really like Rashad Penny, but I think him being on the Eagles, especially if Swift goes down, I think you could make that swap. You may probably get something a little extra on top. So probably an aging running back, just how the running yeah. back landscape has been to someone sure. trying to win, and you can just stash him on your bench. Like, would you would you take likely and a random twenty four second for Joe Mixon and a twenty four second? Yeah. No, if if I'm like, I think I have a top four team in my league, and I have one or two years left, I wouldn't. But if I feel like I'm kind of stagnant, middle of the road, I'm definitely going to make that trade. Okay. Um. I mean, yeah, he he restructured his deal. It's not doesn't look like he's yeah. going to be in trouble. Looks like he's going to at least be there for, for. for I mean, this I don't year. I don't think he's a four yards per carry person anymore. But the volume's going to be there regardless. Yeah. So, in a in a really good offense, yeah, yeah. All right, I like that. And so my fifth and final topic is just a couple, you know, buys and stashes. I talked to, we talked about McBride. I talked a little bit about Knox. I think people are undervaluing him. Um, he's not going to disappear he'll he'll have some some touchdown equity some touchdown upside um cole turner is interesting to me with logan thomas old and injured um and eric Bieniemy finding ways to get him the ball yeah i almost um, put him instead of ferguson yeah uh foster moreau is interesting to me mm-hmm. 
Um, underrated, undervalued, reuniting with Derek Carr, which kind of hurts my boy Jawan Johnson, right? But, you know. Um, Gerald Everett is interesting to me uh, as far as, you know, if you're a contender and you need a tight end too, you're talking about mm-hmm. Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert going to that offense, you know, and, and Kellen Moore going to the offense. Justin Herbert healed from his ribs <laughs> being there, right? Like, think it's going to be a tight end friendly environment you already talked about what schultz did on the cowboys with kellen moore tyler higby it's not pretty no it's ugly he's 29 but he's going at like dynasty tight end 29 or 30 yeah and unless you're a puka truther like what else is stafford who's supposedly healthy throwing to after cup the team ain't great. The offensive line ain't great. Yep. But if you're in a tight end premium, you want targets. You know, Tyler Higby is dirt cheap. Um, let's see. Uh, stashes. Uh, Elijah Higgins converting to tight end in Miami. Uh, it's dicey because McDaniel didn't use Gasicki well, but also he didn't use him well because Gasicki can't block. So if Higgins, who's big, can pick up that blocking, we'll see. Jeremy Ruckert, I thought was underrated as in the 2022 rookie class. Ohio State tight ends are tough because they don't get used much in college. So, like, you have to go on skills and traits and projection. Uh, you know, with Conklin and Uzuma, you know, essentially really being the only guys there, I think Ruckert is a stash. I would stash Noah Gray, right? Mm-hmm. He's contingency upside if, with one Kelsey injury. Plus, yep. Kelsey ain't going to do this forever. I would stash Kate Otten. Um, we liked him. He flashed in 2022. Downgraded quarterback to Baker. It's going to be a terrible offense, but he's at the top of the depth chart, and Baker's not going to be there forever. Um, and I said already, Jawan Johnson I like, and Dalton Schultz, uh, as far as a temporary buy. It's a buy and flip. Yeah. He's going to get peppered with targets from a rookie quarterback as a safety blanket because the rest of the weapons are meh uh, and also young. Um and I think then in the early season, then you flip him for more than you got. And that's a move yep. that you make, even if you're not a contender, you, you buy that tight end now for whatever it costs, knowing that in the first few, few weeks of the season, you can flip them. Right. So that's kind of like my topics of like buy stash for some, some guys that are maybe going under the radar. Any, any of those guys stand out to you as guys you like? Yeah, I really like Noah Gray. There's a lot of leagues where I didn't even have to draft him. I, or if I did, it's one of my very last picks and that could, that could really hit if something happens to Kelsey at you know his age or you know once he does move on he's unless they go and draft someone but he'll be the immediate guy I like that one a lot um, I'm a big Jawan Johnson guy I really like him as a tight end too even with uh, Foster Moreau there yeah all those I agree with I'm not as high on Dawson Knox I think he's going to be touchdown or bust but yeah. given how little it takes to be a productive tight end it could still work you just have some dead weeks but yeah I. I'm learning tight end is the uh, position we agree on the most and have the least <laughs> disagreements as opposed to, you know, wide receiver and running back. Um, so, yeah, I'll go and jump into my last one. And this I, – I didn't make any changes because of this, but I'm thinking maybe we should. And this is how will the signing of DeAndre Hopkins affect Chig? Uh, so, just for some quick ranks – I have him 16, you have him 15. He's pretty much 15 on going for two in Fantasy Pros and Bulletproof. So, you know, the market's pretty set on him being a fringe uh, tight end one. 
Um, so Hopkins, when he's healthy, he demands a top five target share in the league. In his prime, it was, you know, one or two in the league. It's over 30%. Even last year, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was around 28, 29%. So he's one of the top five receivers in the league that demands targets because he gets open, he makes the catches. He's so reliable and like a true wide receiver one. Um, lack of opportunities was already the main concern for Chig. You know, he's in – a low pass offense with Derrick Henry. And now you got, he's, he's the third, he's the third uh, receiving option on that team behind, behind Traylon Burks and DeAndre Hopkins now. And I'm just afraid he's going to end up being touchdown dependent on a team that has Derrick Henry. And I don't, I don't like that recipe. I didn't move him down. I want to, but I'm also afraid to, because I do think he's really good. They started scheming plays just to get him the ball. So I do see, still think he'll have some value. I'm just kind of curious how you and everyone else feels about DeAndre Hopkins signing there and if it dampens your expectations for Chig. Because it does mine a little. I just haven't acted upon it yet. Yeah, so as far as as far as that goes, like I think I knocked Chig down two spots, but that also was a combination of I think moving Ingram up two spots. So yeah, you know, it, it might have it might have canceled each other out. I don't seem to have the faith in the type of targets that Hopkins will command. Um, I certainly have faith in the type of coverage he will command. Um, I think if you look at the case for Chick coming into this year before, before they signed D hop was efficiency, 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 right. And just give him more volume, right. Which doesn't always work, but that's the case for him. Right. Um, I don't think that's, change too much i think his his number of targets target percentage could go down um i think there's going to be enough of hopkins and burks and henry for defenses to worry about that chig's going to benefit especially down near the end zone right like if you're a defense right mm -hmm. and it's the red zone you're worried about a back shoulder fade to hopkins and you're worried about derrick henry and you got to have somebody covering somebody as big as Burks. Who's left, right? Like, you, you can't, right? right? Like, it, it's Chig's guy, I think, gonna, is going to get, you know, um, some, some red zone looks. And it may be a low-volume offense, but if Hopkins improves the overall offense, the pie might be okay. And even if it's a lower-volume offense – it's a pretty high, uh, concentrated target distribution yeah. um, among the two wide receivers and Chick. I don't think there's reason to have Ding Chick too much with with Hopkins there. Um, I think it's still entirely possible for Chick to be a tight end one this year. I think it's entirely possible for Chig to be a tight end six to eight this year if things break right. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really ding him too much. I ain't ding Burks too much, yeah. too much either. Because the, the world that I see is that Hopkins is kind of the wide receiver two there, right? He's a competent veteran receiver. 
who draws enough attention of the defenses, but Burks is your ex. And Chick's still going to eat, and Henry's still going to eat, and I don't know that that Hopkins is going to be the, the 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 target hog that that people people might think he's he's going to be. Yeah, you know, as soon as I say we agree on almost everything, I I agreed with you up until I think Hopkins is still that guy. I think he's still going to get twenty seven, twenty eight percent of target share, and then. You know, that amount of volume, I didn't knock Burks either. I didn't knock anyone. I just left things as they are. I'm going to see how it goes. But I was just curious if it affected uh, your thoughts at all. But there is I only think... three guys they're going to throw to. So. Right. So the 27 is 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 doable in that offense because of the hyper-concentration. Mm-hmm. It's just like what number does that turn out to be? And how much does it eat into the other guy's when there's not much else to eat into it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like uh, also throw toss in there that like, let's assume that Tannehill plays 15 games. Right. Whereas last year, some of these guys were catching balls from Josh Dobbs and uh, Malik, Malik Willis. Willis. No right? one was really catching balls from Malik Willis. He wasn't even throwing them. Right. Like they didn't, <laughs> they didn't want him. To, he was so bad. They didn't want him to throw. So, I mean, it's tough, right? Like, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Like, if if folks are subscribed to Football Guys, um, Matt Waldman did a really good article breaking down how Hopkins might fit each, you know, might affect each guy. Slight spoiler alert, he's optimistic on a lot of these guys. Um, there is a world, right, in which the Titans are one and five. They hand the keys over to Levis. And who knows? Right. But we have to assume that with the acquisition of Hopkins, they're looking at their window for winning with Tannehill and Henry. Right. And they're saying we're going for it. Right. And the thing also, too, that is that they were they were pretty creative in how they used Chig last year. Like he got some snaps out of the backfield running routes like there's just there's paths for him. Right. And and I don't know that I have any reason to be that much lower on him because Hopkins is there. Yeah. So one thing that just came to my mind, I do think he still has tight end one ability, even top 10, but I also think this signing just widened his range of outcomes. Like just say if they suck and will Levis, Mm -hmm. like, or if Henry does vulture some touchdowns or even Tannehill, who's not completely deficient at running, you know, if he doesn't get, if he doesn't get more than three or four, like three touchdowns, I'll say, I'm not so sure he won't be like a, tight end 15 through 20, which is still where everyone has him ranked. So it wouldn't be that bad. And it's definitely a long-term play, I think, more so than this year now. Mm-hmm. But I do still like yeah. Chick. I like him a lot. I didn't I didn't move him down. So just going to read you an excerpt of, of that article, right? So mm-hmm. last year, the difference between the Titans' number one wide receiver and number three wide receiver was 130 yards and a touchdown, right? And Oconquo and Hooper were only six yards and a touchdown apart. And they fell in between those three wide receivers. Uh, in 2021, not quite as tightly packed, but the second and fourth wide receivers were only separated by eight catches, 175 yards, and three scores. And then the tight ends were wedged in the middle. Right in 2020, the year before that, um, production separating the two best receivers amounted to 14 targets, five catches, and 91 yards. 
what separated the six additions scores at the top, what separated them the most was the six touchdowns that A.J. Brown had, right? Tight end John New Smith had eight touchdowns, put him in the mix. And if you combine Smith with Anthony Ferkser as one receiving option, that option would have had the second most productive in the tight end's passing game, right? So they've had pretty low-volume passing, run-heavy, high concentration of targets for three years, right? And we've seen the tight ends do okay, or they, they could do okay in that usage tree. And I, and I, and I, and I think that's, I don't think that's really going to be any, any different this year. I mean, if you really want to put a positive spin on it, it's that it's that Hopkins boosts the offense so much, right? It, it from, from the offense, moving the ball more, staying on the field and him drawing more defense that that's good for everybody and not bad for him. I don't know. So, yeah, I think I think the best person in that offense for Chick is Derek Henry because I watched some of those games, and the only way Hooper and them got all those touchdowns is play action from, like, inside the five, and they're just standing there wide open because, you know, they're stacking the box, loading it up for Henry. So there are some options for that to happen also. So, yeah. All right. Well, okay. I guess that just about does it, right, as we each did our five? Yeah. All right. Time to land the plane on this sucker. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on the Going for Two Live audio feed please make sure here on the youtube channel you are feeding the algorithm monster what it must be fed by subscribing to the channel liking the video hitting the bell for notifications commenting on the video algorithm 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 tight end tight end dynasty fantasy football dynasty i, I, don't, I don't think it only counts in the first couple of minutes i don't think i have to keep we just screwed ourselves all right time for plugs josh where can we find you and your work yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Rotonaut, R-O-T-O-N-A-U-T. You can find all my rankings on goingfor2.com. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, this will be the last episode for a few weeks. I'm actually moving to Virginia August 10th, so that's exciting. It'll be a good eight-and-a-half-hour move for me, so we're just going to be busy. So I'm excited for that, though. I'm excited to get started back in my uh, new home. All right, yeah. You can find me on Twitter at FFJunkie underscore, writing uh, articles and rankings on goingfor2.com. Uh, midweek audio only podcast um dynasty fever at dynasty fever pod on twitter also doing a little stuff for rpo football did a couple of videos for them i'm working on another one it's gonna be buy sell stash at each position i don't know like i'm gonna break it up into a bunch of videos but that's gonna take like forever so who knows it'll be like october by the time i get that out <laughs> um but but yeah, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be going to see fish in Madison Square Garden the next two Saturdays, and my boy Josh here is in the middle of a move that culminates on the following Saturday. So yeah, we're gonna take a bit of a, a hiatus here, and be back uh, August 19th. You know, in the thick of uh, you know camp and preseason and and all that jazz, and uh, you know hopefully uh, you know the guys we like haven't shattered femurs by then, and uh, you know uh, we'll we'll see how how things go. Please make sure that you uh, go to goingfor2.com for rankings, articles. On the bottom right-hand side of the goingfor2.com website is a little purple thing for our Discord. We've got a great Discord. It's got a lot of channels. We've got a lot of analysts on there, um, not even really from the Going For Two family. They're just, you know, in the mix talking. Um, we have a podcast pretty much every night for you here on, on the Going For Two Live YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe and turn on those notifications. I guess that'll do it uh, uh, for now. We tied up some loose ends about tight ends. 
so um yeah uh thanks for watching thanks for listening that's a wrap and go braves go irish yeah.